Hello and welcome to Hong Kong Heritage. Around 73 million sharks are killed every year, mostly to provide fins for shark's fin soup. It's a trade that's completely unsustainable and has pushed the hammerhead and oceanic white tip sharks close to extinction. In Hong Kong, it's the blue shark that is often used in our soup. That has seen up to a 70% decline in numbers. At the Hong Kong Maritime Museum, the exhibition on sharks and humanity explores the relationship between sharks and humans. 39 contemporary artists use installations, sculptures and visual art to add their comment on the shark's fin trade. The exhibition is on a global tour and is a collaboration between the museum and Parkview Arts Action in partnership with the international non-profit organisation WildAid. Alex Hofford, campaign manager for WildAid Hong Kong, showed me around. I just think it's great that, you know, the Hong Kong public are visiting this exhibition. In all our messaging, we're putting out percentages and statistics about how, you know, there's these tremendous declines in, in shark populations around the world. And it's a way to sort of reach people in their heads, in their mind, in a rational way. But art, you know, it touches people in their hearts. You know, so it's a different way of attracting public attention and, and creating awareness on this problem. Yeah? So, you know, if you get kids coming in here, they, I mean, they might not necessarily understand all the complexities behind the, the, the fisheries, overfishing and all, and all the rest of it. At least they can, they can get the message that there's a, from pictures of, of sharks being finned or whatever, that there is a problem. And then when they grow up, they'll connect that with something that they saw in their childhood and creates that much of a stronger link to, to stop shark finning. Can you just tell me why you decided to come to the exhibition today? We need some activities for the kids. <laughs> that's basic, and they like fish and sharks, so that's why we, we came here today. And what do you think about some of the installations? Nice, for the kids they're perfect, they're all different, they have different things to explore, to see. And it's always good to expose the kids to new things. They don't, they don't get the meaning in the moment, but they, they get that they have value, the, the, the sharks. And what about shark's fin soup? Do you eat it yourself? No, no. The whole family stopped eating them, even at the weddings. Well, enjoy your day today. Thank you. Thank you. This is traditional Chinese porcelain, but the way, the way that the artist has done it is three sharks. Four one... sharks. Ah, yes, yeah, so four sharks. There was one extra one that the, that the artist um, you know, destroyed by, um, by smashing it on the floor as a piece of performance art and, and filmed himself doing that. But it's sort of uh, symbolic that you know we're losing these species, and they can never be replaced. And so these other ones that um, that are actually um, being uh, put back together with red paint to symbolise blood, and the designs on these sharks looks a lot like traditional Chinese art. Could be an expensive porcelain Ming vase, uh, so that indicates the the the, the, the value and the, you know the. The, the pricelessness of, the, of these species and to, also the humanity. Fr fragility of and them. And the fragility, exactly, yeah. As we move around here, both outside and inside here at the Hong Kong Maritime Museum, there are in fact around 39 artists involved in these superb, I mean, they really are superb mm. installations. Yeah, a lot of them are they're different media as well, you know, some sculptures, some paintings. Um, porcelain works, uh, mixed media, all different kinds really. All with the, the theme that we, you know, that we need to save sharks. 
I'm talking to Alex Hofford, the campaign manager of Wild Aid here in Hong Kong. How big is the issue of shark's fin these days? I mean, I know that there have been some successes. I've seen that it, uh, you and others have managed to get some airlines, for example, yeah. to stop carrying shark's fin in their cargo. That's right. So we've got um, 44 airlines have stopped shipping shark fin and 17 container shipping lines as well, um, as well as five hotel groups have, have all stopped transporting shark fin or serving shark fin. So the corporate sector is definitely waking up to the problem. It's been a relatively successful campaign, which we're now rolling out domestically in Hong Kong to the restaurant sector. So now it's not just about the corporate transportation companies stop shipping shark fin into Hong Kong, or it's not just about the public stop eating shark fin, but critically it's about the restaurants in Hong Kong stop selling shark fin. So if we can stop all the these different sectors from from uh, you know from doing these things but we, we you know we hope that we can um, have a positive impact shark's fin itself i've noticed yes it was it's been i mean when we think that it's, it's almost been de rigueur for weddings it's, it's like having you know in western society it's like having a knife and fork in principally it's been a problem that is due to face or status or greed as well showing off all these things and um, actually young people they know this and they understand the problem they understand that it's cruel it's un- unsustainable it's unethical it's immoral and it's often from illegal sources and the kids know this i mean when i say the kids um, you know people up into their 40s understand this the big problem is that um that it's the older generation who uh, still keep buying it they still keep persisting on on ordering it on the set menus and so you know a huge amount arrives on the table maybe 200 250 bowls of shark fin and everyone wants to be polite and not offend the guest or, so so people just suck it up and, and eat it which that, and that perpetuates the problem so what we're calling on people to do is just to politely decline it. you don't have to make a big scene of, about it but just push it back to the center of the table and say you know no thank you you can say it with a smile on your face and people will know what you mean but you can take a stand but do it in a polite and, and deferential and respectful way so that's why we're calling on max sims restaurants to stop selling it because they've told us that the only reason they're selling it is to look after their elder customers. So it's the elders, the the old people in Hong Kong that are the problem demographic. I'm really, really shocked when I read, is it something like 73 million sharks a year? Something absolutely phenomenal are killed just for their fins. Yeah, that's right. But actually, the number could be a lot higher than that because also they, they use the, the meat in fish and chips um, and for leather trade and all sorts. And it's not just about shark fin soup. It's about consuming any part of the shark. It's all a problem. I mean, whether whether it's consumed in fish and chips in the UK or Australia or shark fin soup in Hong Kong, it's the same problem. The, the, the fact of the matter is that they are taking off far too many sharks, much faster rate than, than these poor um, animals can reproduce. And so that's why we've seen these dramatic um, declining numbers, principally on the main species that are being affected right now are the hammerhead and oceanic white tip, which are down by you know over 90% in some cases. Um, but the warning signals are there for other species like the blue shark, which is the species that Maxims surf. Maxims is, is selling unsustainable blue sharks. blue shark is one of the most beautiful of all sharks. Unfortunately, it's also one of the most overfished sharks in the world. It reaches up to 4 metres in length and weighs as much as 205 kilograms. It prefers to remain in waters at least 350 metres deep. That's where it finds its dinner. Small bony fishes like herring and sardines and invertebrates like squid, cuttlefish and octopi. It lives as far north as Norway and as far south as Chile. Blue sharks are found off the coast of every continent except Antarctica.
describe to me a shark is a it, what's it called an a predator an apex predator yeah all that means is it's just that the shark is at the top of the the food chain they're there to sort of regulate the the food web in the ecosphere that they live in so for example they will um, if, if you're talking about a black tip reef shark they'll patrol the reef going up and down picking off the scraps of dead fish that you know if, they, if they're taken out of the equation those dead fish will you know the diseases could spread along the reef so they quickly remove all the detritus and the and, and the, the dirty stuff and, and also they predate on some of the species there that, that they, they have always predated on um, and if you take sharks out of the food web those lesser we call them like level two species will then proliferate and, and their populations will explode and they'll get such a huge number that then then will will devastate all the, the their natural food resources on the level three if you know what i mean so that, like they could take out all the shellfish or whatever so by taking out one building block from the reef you can it can have a devastating impact on on the whole system Tell me about how shark's fin is done. I mean, basically, sometimes these trawlers are way out, the ones that are dedicated to shark's fin, and they don't want to take the bulk of the body, so they basically hack off the fin and then put the shark back in the water. Yeah, that's right. In fact, that's what this piece here is all about. These are what we call long-line fishing vessels. They're not trawlers, actually. They're long lines, and and they set a 100-mile line out during the daytime and there might be a uh, one baited hook every 50 meters and so they set that during the daytime and at night time they haul it back in they go back and, and and collect what they set out the night before or the day before and so they're not only collecting sharks they get you know tar- they're actually targeting tuna but collecting shark they get turtles or albatross or swordfish anything just comes on the line and it's just you know if you can imagine uh, one hook every 50 meters that's just devastating industrial fishing is having a real devastating impact on, on the so all on the these other there. all these other creatures are dying for nothing yeah we call it bycatch and that's what this piece that we're standing in front of is all about here each one of these red floats is, is, is usually placed on top of where one of those 50 meter long line baited hook would be placed so they can see that where the line lies you know out, out on the sea at night with the way that the the shark's fin is hacked off there's an issue of sustainability on the other hand it's also incredibly cruel yeah that's right and in fact the cruelty angle is is what resonates most of the chinese public we've done surveys in china where we've asked them so what what actually was the main thing that turned you off shark fin and they always say the same thing. It's like, oh, I saw a really gory video online. I saw a really disgusting photograph in the newspaper. And, you know, after that, I thought, oh, it was so cruel. I would never eat shark fin ever again. So it's that visceral impact that these bloody images of, of shark finning have that turns people off it. Sustainability, of course, is very important. But, it's, but for the general public, it's not really a motivating factor to get people to stop eating shark fin. But so that's why this exhibition is really great because it, you know, it's, it's just another way of, of showing the public the, the problem behind the, the, the issue, you know, just connecting with people's hearts and then not just their mind. So this is a piece by a Hong Kong artist called Professor Host UK, and he's at the uh, Chinese University, I believe. And what it is, it's like a metal structure, it looks like a grid, and in the shape of a shark fin, it's about 10 feet tall. And on the opening day, he was actually standing inside it, and so this thing was like a, a performance art, um, where he was standing in there for about six hours, I believe, just absolutely stock still, wearing the traditional Chinese clothing, like a white... Um, simple white outfit and just with his eyes closed 
just sort of meditating and he almost looked like a, a waxwork or a statue and you know he had to sort of look twice and oh there's a, actually a person inside that thing so that was pretty amazing yeah it's, it's a, a very uh, actually quite beautiful and very stark structure here it's called confessional and it's at the exhibition on sharks and humanity which you can see here at the hong kong maritime museum so that's at uh, pier eight in central next to the star ferry i believe after hong kong it's going to travel to either shenzhen or taiwan yes because it's been on the move hasn't it yeah, this yeah, is yeah. about the third destination uh, yeah it's already been to um, started off in monaco and then moved to moscow and then beijing and it's just come from singapore so you know this is the fifth stop i believe yeah that's quite a logistical feat getting all, i mean some of these sculptures are really huge yeah, that's right. And so, um, actually, the, the the patron behind this this exhibition is George Wong, who's the um, he's a tycoon from uh, Park View, you know, the property developer. So they've got a lot of properties around the world, and I think Monaco is, is one location where they have some some large property developments. And so he's got c- good connections there, and that's why they were able to kick off this thing in the Museum of Oceanography in, in Monaco, and got got some really high level support from the royal family there. And so he's the one who's been paying for all the, these incredible pieces of art so he he's a patron of the arts in a you know in a true sense of the word and but he's also got a mission now to save sharks and he was you know i was chatting to him the other day and he's like this is what i do that you know where are we going to go we're just going to keep going we're going to go to austria we're going to go to germany we're going to go to shenzhen and here we're going to india we're going to go to thailand he's, he's just never going to stop so this thing is just like a rolling juggernaut now it's just going to keep going around the world and it's never going to stop because i think to be honest he's found his calling in life and all he wants to do is save sharks i think he's might even have lost lost interest in developing properties i don't know <laughs> <laughs> your work with world aid as campaign manager and previously you were a photojournalist also concentrating on similar issues so you've got to be fairly hardy for a job like that you know i could see that you could get very very depressed very quickly no, I think it's, you know, overall, I think we're in good shape. I think things are moving in the in the right direction. Certainly in China, um, China's actually got a much more progressive outlook on environmental issues, including on the ivory trade and, and shark fin trade and climate, of course, as well. Um, you know, uh, China's been doing good on, on this stuff in recent years and they are following up words of action you know people say oh it's just words but it's not you know they do follow up on within with strong enforcement and you know they, they are doing doing good stuff i think is it also a matter of revising how people see shark do you feel that you know films like jaws do you think that we've moved on from there or do you think that people still see the shark as something scary even though um, many species aren't um well, you know harmful to humans at all yeah, I mean, there's the statistic, like, you've got more chance to being, um, you know, killed by a falling vending machine than you have of, <laughs> of, of, a, of being killed by a shark every year. The, the whole Jaws narrative about, you know, how sharks are scary and, and all the rest of it, um, that is still perpetuated today. I mean, you only have to look at Discovery Channel Shark Week, and look at that. That's like a whole week of a really, you know, scary stuff that just puts the shivers up people and makes people hate sharks. Shark Week is just this, this sensation this um, kind of trashy thing that persists I don't, I don't really understand why it's something you know a lot of the um, marine conservation NGOs have had this campaign against shark week for, for many years you know it's just a constant perennial discussion on the on the on the, the chat groups about what the hell's going on with shark week yeah, again you know they don't ever seem to learn I think it's probably just making too much money out of it that's sure. all yeah, yeah. As well as the 39 artists here at the exhibition on sharks and humanity, you also have photographs of the sharks fin trade and uh, also documentaries. 
Yeah, that's right. So we've got some photos here by Mark Leong, um, who shot them for National Geographic, and they show scenes of all the butchery in the, in the uh, fish markets in Indonesia, as well as the trade here in Shungwan in, in Hong Kong. So it's not just paintings and sculptures, we've got photos too. We will go and see your favourite sculpture in a moment. Well, that piece of art, you know, we can talk about it now before we go out, but that one in particular, I really love it because, I'm, you know, when I saw it, I was absolutely stunned. You know, I had no idea because um, I came here for the first time like everyone else and, and just suddenly just saw these pieces. But that one in particular, which is the shape of a... Um, well, it looks like a, a, a huge bull shark or something trying to bust its way out of a shipping container. So the, the shipping container's kind of morphed. The shape of it looks like it's, it's elastic with the shape of a, a shark, you know, inside it. And that certainly speaks to us about the problem of, of smuggling because that's what's been going on. I mean, it's not just ivory smuggling, but um, the shark fin trade here, they really are a big problem. And they will bring a container from, you know, far off places like Peru or Costa Rica or Argentina or any these places i know they're going to stuff a container of about 200 or 250 bags of, of so-called legal fins but then hide in amongst all that maybe three or four bags of highly endangered and highly illegal hammerhead fins and so it's impossible for customs to check every single container coming into the port you know they've got to check for guns and drugs and ivory and all the rest of it as well as shark fin and if they see you know it's on late on the manifest it says 250 bags of silky sharks which is not yet listed on cites or, or blue sharks then that's legal. So they'll just look at it and that'll go through. But hidden in amongst all of that are these um, these illegal species as well. And the problem is that, you know, we all know like shark fin, what does it look like when it's, when it's um, you know, it's raw form? It's grey and it's triangular. It's very difficult for customs or uh, any wildlife authorities or NGOs or anybody to tell them apart without, you know, expensive and complicated and time-consuming DNA. And so, you know, even if they did un unload all those fins, very hard for them to tell, you know, one species of shark from another. It's a, it's a total nightmare. So that's why companies like Maersk and China Costco Shipping have understood this and they've banned shark fin. It's, you know, okay, it's a sustainability problem, but it's also that they recognise that shipping sharks presents a legal problem for enforcement and they don't want to be caught up in a criminal trade. And so that's why they banned it outright, because they can't tell the difference. The hammerhead shark's head shape is unusual. National Geographic describes it as an amazing piece of anatomy built to maximise the fish's ability to find its favourite meal, stingrays. A hammerhead shark uses its wide head to trap stingrays by pinning them to the sea floor. The shark's eye placement on each end of its very wide head allows it to scan more area more quickly than other sharks can. The hammerhead also has special sensors across its head that helps it scan for food in the ocean. Hammerheads also eat bony fish, crabs, squid, lobsters and other sea creatures. In native Hawaiian culture, sharks are considered to be gods of the sea, protectors of humans and cleaners of excessive ocean life. If we go back to shark's fin soup, I mean, culturally, was it something that was done, say, in... I'll pick a province like Fujian province, like a coastal province, was done on a small scale and then through globalisation has become this huge thing and because of also people can afford it or it became more yeah. available. So um, historically it's because it was seen as a noble dish 
a dish for the emperor. So it was only reserved for the the elite of the elite, you know, the, the royal cause, which actually is probably no it was no problem back in the day you know we're talking hundreds of years ago uh, because there were so sharks were so plentiful during that time and you take one or two out like that it, it's not really a big problem but now with the rise of china and the rise of the middle classes and everyone's getting more affluent everyone wants a piece of the action and so there's this tremendous demand basically people want this stuff and the oceans just can't supply it fast enough so that's why it's an unsustainable trade now behind this exhibition is also, as you've mentioned, the tycoon George Wong of Parkview. And you said about when he went diving, that for him was a, an epiphany in, right. in some ways. I mean, I certainly found that when I've gone, you know, seeing not only huge turtles go over my head, but also below me seeing sharks when I've been in Indonesia. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's so, uh, it's, it's really quite emotional. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, right? So anyone who's actually ever been diving before, they always have this kind of epiphany and this this connection to this amazing underwater world that that non-divers have never really experienced. And so that's that's the problem in Hong Kong is that most people have never done diving or they don't have this connection with nature. And so that's what this exhibition is all about. It's about reconnecting humans with nature. That's why it's called on sharks and humanity. And you trust humans to turn it around and not look to their profits. I think so. I think inherently human beings are, are good. Um, and I think that it's, a lot of it is to do with education. Once you show people the facts and you show people images of it, most people just generally do come around. And that's why the young people of Hong Kong um, are coming around to it. And it's just the, the older demographic, like I said, who are difficult to reach because they don't have the awareness or the education level. And so it's, a, it's a habit, it's a tradition. Yeah, so here's a piece with all these um, remember a few years ago there were all these photos of all the sharks laid out across the roof and so uh, one of these artists here has actually um, uh, made an oil painting of it this uh, artist here called Ling Nan 500 million years of being because yes I mean sharks precede us by a long way don't they yeah they you know they pretty much haven't really evolved since the dinosaurs so it's quite a terrible thing to make a, a you know such an incredible species that's been around for 500 million years to make it extinct you know what a waste if we take the hammerhead which you as you said is now endangered over 90% uh, down over here 90% some populations yeah and they're so beautiful to look at but tell me a little bit about just the mileage they cover yeah no that's that's the thing about sharks a lot of them are migratory species and they'll They'll travel, you know, thousands of kilometres over their lifetime. You know, they they travel all around from Africa to um, South America, you know, as part of their, their daily life. They just keep doing this. But the reason the hammerhead is in such a bad way is because the hammerhead fin is one of the most prized fins in shark fin soup because it's the, the dorsal fin is very tall and slender and it's very attractive. And so it's been heavily targeted for the, the shark fin uh, soup industry. And so that's why some of these populations are down by, by 90%. But now it's moving to, to blue sharks. Blue sharks are is the main species in trade in Hong Kong now. The, the numbers of blue sharks are down by a lot too. You know, not as much as hammerhead. We're talking only about 50 or 70%. But that's still a huge amount. The writing's on the wall. And so it's not yet on the endangered species list. And so we still have time to do this. That's why we keep calling on Maxims to, 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 to do it now while we still can. Don't wait until it goes on the endangered species list because then by then it might be too late. But the hammerhead, it's almost too late. A 
oceanic white-tip sharks are active both day and night. They rely on ram breathing, which means they have to constantly swim to pump oxygens over their gills, so they never sleep. They're nicknamed the Dark Knight of the Ocean because they tend to hunt mostly at night time. Though they're primarily nocturnal, they will opportunistically feed during the day if an easy meal presents itself. Oceanic white-tipped sharks are classified as a vulnerable species of shark, and in some areas of the world, they're under threat from extinction. Between environmental pressures, the brutal practice of shark finning, and a slow reproductive rate, oceanic white-tipped sharks are in serious threat of becoming extinct. There's a massive shark. It's all made out of, um, I think, it's polystyrene foam or fiberglass. And it's strung up. It's like 50 yeah. feet tall. You can see we're at the top of the escalator, and we can just see its tail poking up. There's a mainland tourist taking a photo of it right now, and it's an incredibly large shark that looks like it's brutally been strung up in a, you know, in a terrible way. When that first came, it was on its side, and it just looked like a normal shark, you know, just you know, lying on its belly, and it wasn't quite so dramatic. But when I saw them move this piece into position and the way that they strung it up with a massive rope, it's in, it's incredibly brutal, and it speaks to the brutality of the fishing industry but what's great about this whole thing is that you can see just above the shark we've got a big logo there saying this 20th anniversary of the hong kong handover so this this event is um, you know it's an officially been endorsed by the hong kong government um, as a as part of the 20th anniversary of the handover celebrations so it shows you the level of support and and tacit encouragement that we're getting from the government um, to tackle this the, the shark fin trade in in hong kong and, and this this terrible problem which is great over here this is uh, absolutely stunning is that just uh, a metal sculpture but yeah. it looks up and it actually from a distance when i was coming down the escalator it always it was almost like shining with sort of a diamond effect and so what this piece here is like a massive shark fin uh, made out of stainless steel some kind of meshing and um, if you go around the side of it this whole area sort of belongs to the maritime museum they've, they've leased it and we go around to the edge of the area here and you can see that it's in a mass in the shape of a huge shark fin and it's quite dramatic it's a good, good place for people to take photos and, and it's highly visible from the Jardines office. Jardines being the 50% owner of Maxime's group which is great. So in total there's five outdoor pieces here so there's there's one here that looks like it's been made out of auto parts which is really cool. Yes. There's another what piece over here that looks like there's a human but his head is actually the shape of a hammerhead head so we call him hammerhead man but I'm sure that's not his real name and he's like um, got some fishing nets behind him and then my favorite one which is the the, the one here by uh, artist Lee Hui which is the, the shipping container that's been morphed into the shape of a, of a poor shark that's trying to bust its way out. I mean, if you cut the fin off um, a shark and then it's thrown back into the water. If it hasn't got its fins, then it, it automatically just falls down to the seabed. It just sinks and dies a very brutal death because, um, you know, the, the, the ways that sharks breathe is that they have to swim very fast and then the, the water passing over their gills is that's how they breathe. That's how they intake oxygen. But, but if they can't do that, you know, once they've fallen down to the seabed, they're in a stationary position, they can't move on the seabed and they effectively suffocate to death. Or if, unless they've already lost too much blood from their wounds and they bleed to death. So slow and cruel. Terrible, yeah. Very slow, very cruel. It's, it's so many stakeholders involved, isn't there? If you look at the whole supply chain, you've got the, 
the fishing industry first so we're trying to get the, the the fishing companies to not fish it in the first place and then of course when it comes to hong kong you've got the uh, you've got the traders but we don't really target too much on the trade because they'll never change their ways they're very very stuck in their old ways and so we don't target the trade really um and then uh, then you've got the the restaurants so we are targeting them and of course we've got the shippers and the airlines and the container shipping lines that bring it to hong kong in the first place and the public don't forget the public they have a role to play by not ordering it and don't especially don't get it don't buy set menus but you do feel that progress is being made certainly in the mainland yeah i mean the the um, imports are right down from what they were a few years ago um, consumption's down but it's not down to levels that is, that is um, anywhere near sustainable so there's still a lot of work to do on the mainland but in Hong Kong it's a lot harder you know because there is this this resistance here that, we, that we're not seeing on the mainland because in the mainland the, the, the government's taking a very firm position on this uh, like I said imports are right down and that's purely because the, the government's just not, not letting it in take, really frowning on it whereas in Hong Kong they're not frowning on it enough yet sure they're endorsing our show but uh, you know the Hong Kong government are quite weak on shark fin issues still, um, because they're you know the, the shark fin trade here is still quite strong. So that's something that we need to work on. My thanks to Alex Hofford, campaign manager for Wild Aid Hong Kong. The exhibition on sharks and humanity is on show at the Hong Kong Maritime Museum. Thanks for listening, and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>